0: A very different Remembrance Day, honoring our soldiers while staying separate.
1: Risky business along the Canada-US border.
2: All these people, it's not our fault that we met people in the States.
1: Complaints of too much hanky-panky in the park.
0: And a woman wakes up to a naked intruder. So when I go and lift the blankets off the floor, I see a naked man. How the culprit ended up right back on the street.
3: You're watching Global BC.
1: This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Across Canada and right here in BC, it's a remembrance day like no other. Due to the pandemic, events that normally involve thousands of people have been scaled back to just a handful of participants.
0: But as Catherine Urquhart reports, the significance of this solemn day was not lost despite the lack of crowds.
4: At Victory Square, it was a very different Remembrance Day.
1: We remember and we are free. Simple words, heavy with significance.
4: Closed to the public, only a minimal number of dignitaries and veterans were permitted to mark the 75th anniversary of the end of the Second World War. All participants were socially distanced as they listened to the last post. (laughs) Then, after observing two minutes of silence, there was the laying of wreaths. Everyone who took part wore a mask. At the Cenotaph in Kelowna, approximately 150 people gathered. For veterans past and present, the experience was clearly very moving.
5: The first one not in uniform is, is a little special for me and i did not know what to expect coming here and to see all the crowd gathered and see the amount of people here uh, it, you know it's very heartwarming this is just showing that we're not letting traditions kind of fall to the wayside or we're not allowing
6: you know external circumstances get in the way of, of what's true and what's right
4: in the nation's capital thousands of people typically fill the streets to commemorate the sacrifices of Canada's veterans. But again, due to the pandemic, a much smaller group gathered under tight restrictions. Among those who attended in person, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, Veteran Affairs Minister Lawrence McCauley, House of Commons Speaker Anthony Rota. Governor-General Julie Payette and the Silver Cross Mother.
7: Mayor Doug
4: Back in Metro Vancouver, the annual ceremony at the Cenotaph in Cloverdale took place virtually. And that was how many of us honoured our veterans from a distance. Yes, we remembered in different ways this year, but with overwhelming gratitude for all their sacrifices. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
1: On Vancouver Island, the Royal Canadian Navy commemorating Remembrance Day with a sail pass. A number of Navy ships were in formation, and a cyclone helicopter from 443 Squadron also participated for portions of the sail past. The event began in Sydney, continuing in formation along the coast before finishing at Esquimalt Lagoon this afternoon. While people were encouraged to watch online, onlookers watching in-person, respected physical distance, and could be seen wearing masks as well.
3: It's good to see people
8: well-spaced, and, uh, but uh, acknowledging uh, the
3: significance of... Uh, of the day.
8: I was really grateful that they did the sale by this year and that we were able to um, acknowledge them still in a COVID-friendly way.
0: The Canadian soldier who survived a horrendous attack 14 years ago is making remarkable progress, thanks in part to research being done at Simon Fraser University.
1: Captain Trevor Green has been in intensive therapy since that attack in 2006, but as Kylie Stan reports, his latest treatment has him exceeding all expectations in his recovery.
9: There we go. Trevor Green knows a thing or two about life's ups and downs. He's been through it all, and then some. But these days, he's only focused on moving in one direction. Keep going. Captain Trevor Green wanted to serve. And in 2006, he went to Afghanistan as a peace officer. He was trying to build trust with village elders. During a meeting, he took off his helmet as a sign of respect. Moments later, Green was attacked.
10: A young man came up behind me, pulled an axe out from under his robe, and swung it into my head.
9: With his brain split almost in two, no one thought Green would survive. But still breathing, he was airlifted to Germany. was able to be operated on there, and that gave him a chance of survival he was flown home to bc and spent more than a year at vancouver general hospital the more time passed the more the odds were stacked against him
10: conventional medical wisdom has it that brain injury survivors have six months to make gains and that's it so they give up instead
9: green got to work two-hour training sessions in the morning physiotherapy in the afternoon Setting goals along the way.
10: I wanted to stand at a wedding. And soon,
9: researchers took interest in his progress.
11: Our goal is to
12: keep pushing the limits.
9: Project Iron Soldier was born. Using the advanced brain scanning technology NeuroCatch, Green's team of doctors could show his brain rewiring through neuroplasticity.
13: Great, to what push apart?
9: It was so successful, they decided to up the ante introducing a robotic exoskeleton to help train his muscles how to walk again. Howdy, howdy. And now they're taking it to the next level, using a portable neurostimulator device, also known as pawns.
3: It actually
14: stimulates your tongue.
3: Okay, here we start.
14: Not only could we see these incredible improvements in his physical ability, so slow down. his thinking and his PTSD, but we could measure it with his brainwaves and changes with NeuroCatch.
9: Not only has the device helped Green push through any plateau, it's breaking boundaries and redefining what's possible. He keeps going, and I think that that gives um, other soldiers hope for themselves as well.
10: It's going on 15 years for me, and I'm not done. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
0: Captain Green's story is the inspiration behind the Legion Veterans Village, Canada's first centre of excellence for veterans and first responders. The centre, currently under construction in Surrey's Wally neighbourhood, will focus on post-traumatic stress and mental health research led by Dr. Ryan Darcy and Dr. Venu Reddy, a PTSD specialist. Ninety-one affordable rental housing units will also be available for veterans, first responders and Legion members.
2: It'll be a, a great opportunity for uh, veterans and the legion and for the city of surrey in general and for right across canada because hopefully this is a nucleus that will continue across the country
0: project aims to improve the current standards of care and services for veterans and their families and be there for them when they return from duty the 312 million dollar project is expected to be complete in 2022
1: Provincial health uh, officials are observing Remembrance Day today, so there is no update on the COVID-19 numbers for BC. However, we will get a two-day update tomorrow. In the meantime, Keith Baldry joins us with an interesting look at some new graphics showing us how the virus spreads, Keith. And these were made from data in real cases.
5: Yeah, and produced by the Fraser Health Authority, which, of course, is covered by that public health order banning gatherings. And t- a couple of examples of actual cases that resulted from people gathering in certain situations. Take a look at uh, one example. First of all, a fitness studio. One person went in, led to 67 people uh, testing positive. 180 people had to go into self-isolation as a result because it, it crossed into two uh, two separate studios. Six school exposures, 37 more uh, positives as a result of that. And then it got into a crime facility and infected four people there and that led to 80 more people having to self-isolate and ultimately three people went to hospital. That's just one person entering a gym with COVID and that's what can happen. Take a look at another place, a work site, industrial work site, also in Fraser Health. Uh, one person showed up sick, 48 people tested positive as a result. It went into 46 different households. One person ended up in hospital. 111 people had to self-isolate and then it got into four separate more uh, different businesses. A car dealership, a medical clinic, uh, a lumber mill, and a food processing plant. Dr. Victoria Lee, the CEO of Fraser Health, says numbers like this can literally overwhelm contact tracers, which is difficult enough to begin with.
4: It's not just one layer of contacts. It's then primary contacts thereafter. There's additional contacts that we have to find and then trace as well. So sometimes it, it can take days, sometimes hours, sometimes uh, quite a significant amount of work. And I know that sometimes people are frustrated that they don't hear from us right away. And I think it's also um an opportunity for us to inform folks. It is quite complicated to figure out all of the layers and it does take days sometimes to get the full picture
5: so I invite people to go to the website and check out those graphs. Quite interesting. One further update on a side issue, but COVID-related. The BC Labor Relation Board today ruled on an application by the BC Teachers Federation, which was looking for more control over how the schools operate in this. Basically ruling we're going to stick with the status quo of the steering committee, but allowing their mediators to be available to provide some guidance if there are certain labor issues that can't be resolved in current uh, structures. So not quite what the BCTF is looking for. Schools will remain open largely on the current structure. With the new core but that steering committee is still in place.
1: Uh, Hopefully smoothing out whatever wrinkles uh, show
5: up. Okay, thanks very much.
1: Keith Baldry in Victoria.
0: Well, some residents of South Surrey are speaking out tonight, raising their frustrations over the growing number of tents set up in Peace Arch Park. They say more and more Canadians are using that international park loophole to reconnect with loved ones without being required to quarantine. Nadia Stewart reports.
15: This is not the first time we've taken a look at Peace Arch Park, a spot that's become a gathering place for cross-border couples and relatives. Okay,
4: honestly, worst yet.
15: On the weekends, it is still a busy place, raising concerns for those who call this side of the border home.
4: It flies in the face of everything, of so much of what we're being told to do.
15: But for the couples and families in these tents...
2: These people are not doing anything wrong. We're outside in a cold park.
15: This park is a lifeline. Their only hope of seeing the loved ones they've been separated from for the better part of 2020.
2: My dad lives there. My sisters live there. My nephews and nieces live there. My mom, who passed away, she's buried in America, and I can't even go down there. And you guys are going to put this on the news and try to shut this place down. The only way that... A little kid can visit with his father, who's working in the U.S., is to come here. It's the
6: only time he gets the hug, a hug his father. You know, that's not right.
15: Dr. Bonnie Henry was asked about Peace Arch Park this week. She says no cases have been linked to this location. The border
9: itself is a federal uh, jurisdiction, and I know that they have enhanced patrols in that area. I'm not aware of any cases related to um, people meeting outdoors at that park.
15: In an email, an RCMP spokesperson says from a public health perspective, it is concerning that individuals would continue to use the park as a means of circumventing the Public Health Quarantine Act requirements, especially during this most recent spike in coronavirus cases affecting the Vancouver Coastal and Fraser Health regions. RCMP is increasing its enforcement in the area, but the Treaty of Ghent, an age-old agreement between the countries, means neither side can build a wall or fence to keep the other out. Those who spoke with us say they have been self-isolating and keeping their bubble small. They hope restrictions will ease soon so they don't have to rely on a tent in a park for family reunions. Nadia Storch, Global News.
1: A deadline is approaching in some B.C. school districts for parents to either continue homeschooling or send their children back to class. Once that deadline passes... Students would be at risk of losing their spot at the school, something a Kelowna father says might push parents to send kids back when they're not ready. Global's Claudia Van Emmerich explains.
16: Oh, my hands are freezing. Eight-year-old Bryce Stanley is taking a break from his studies. The Kelowna boy has been homeschooled his parents' choice since the start of the pandemic.
8: We don't believe that the schools, through no fault of their own, are able to protect the children or their teachers.
16: Stanley says his son, who has asthma, is a lot safer at home than at school.
8: They're trying to social distance. When you drive by the schools at 3 o'clock, you know it's not working. And they can't make it work. The kids are excited to be around their friends.
16: Stanley says he was upset after receiving a letter from the school district warning him about a deadline to return to class.
8: We got really upset when they started telling us that in order to keep his spot in the French Immersion School, he had to attend by November 15th which is unfair.
16: While the family raised the issue with the school district and managed to secure Bryce's spot with a doctor's note, they fear for others who have chosen to homeschool too.
8: We think there's a lot of people out there in the same struggle, and some are going to be intimidated into sending their kids back, even though they know it's not the right thing to do.
16: In the central Okanagan, only 4% of students have been learning from home since the beginning of the school year. Of course, that number varies from district to district across B.C. But according to the local district, there are accommodations being made for certain students who have not returned to class.
8: We are actually holding spots for uh, students who have immune-compromised systems.
16: The Stanleys believe the province should mandate spots being held for all students, regardless of their medical background. I'm hoping I'll go back soon when COVID ends. Plenty of it Global News, Kelowna.
0: Well, she heard the home alarm and went to investigate, and what she found terrified her. A naked intruder with a long criminal record ended up in a scuffle with police. Why he's already back on the street, next.
1: It's a soaring tribute to our veterans from a group of pilots with first-hand combat experience, the Fraser Blues Flyover, coming up later.
0: And how Ticketmaster says it could make your next concert experience safe, even if the COVID pandemic is still here. That's coming up on the Hour tonight.
1: Right now, though, a Vancouver woman says she is still shaken after she woke up to find a naked man and triggered the alarm at her Yaletown condo with her family inside.
0: Weeks later, she can't forget it. But to make matters worse, the man found guilty is now out of jail after a one-day sentence with credit for time served. Ramina Dea explains.
13: I think he came through this door. So Krista, fast asleep when she hears the alarm beeping. She makes her way downstairs to investigate. I see all the blankets uh, on the floor. So when I go and lift the blankets off the floor, I see a naked man sleeping like next to my couch. Krista remains calm. Her gut instinct to protect her six-year-old daughter. I just cover him back up and I went upstairs. I try not to make any noise because I just didn't want to wake him up. Krista rounds up her child and mother. Once the family is safely in the bedroom, she locks the door and calls 911. I just can't believe I reacted so calm. Minutes later, an army of officers arrives at the Yaletown condo. The naked intruder's motive unknown. He was high
15: on methamphetamine, say Vancouver police. Our officers then attempted to take the man into custody and he began fighting with police, kicking them, punching them, uh, basically resisting arrest despite our multiple uh, commands to him that we were police. The October 23rd disturbing
13: incident, the third home invasion in Yaletown in two months.
15: People are, are Uh, concerned about the crime that's going on in the city, and that's concerning for us.
13: 37-year-old Stephen Albert Grant was found guilty of the lesser offense of forcible entry and assaulting a police officer. With credit for time served, Grant received a sentence of one day in jail, plus 12 months probation. Grant has a long criminal resume, including assault causing bodily harm, Theft, assault with a weapon, and obstructing a peace officer. The pattern, arrest, release, repeat, with minimal jail time. As the first week was really hard for me. Like I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear to be in my own home. So knowing that that person is still out, it doesn't give you any hope that you're going to be okay. Krista, grateful her family wasn't hurt, Getting over the trauma will take time—more time than the sentence the perpetrator got. Ramina Dea, Global News.
0: A Richmond man is facing potential charges after his decision to do some suburban hunting generated a major police presence. A number of officers were called to a mansion on Steveston Highway for reports of someone shooting at birds. Officers found the man involved and also found a number of firearms. While the house is within a zone where hunting is permitted, officers say there were a number of hunting violations and infractions related to careless storage of guns. The firearms were seized and police say charges are pending.
1: A New York private equity firm is taking a gamble on the Great Canadian Gaming Corporation. Apollo Global Management has inked a $3.3 billion deal with Great Canadian at $39 a share. Great Canadian, which operates 25 casinos across the country, including 10 in B.C., has been walloped by pandemic closures and restrictions and criticism it didn't do enough to investigate allegations of money laundering at its River Rock Casino. Shares in the company surged nearly 35 percent on news of the buyout. A final vote by shareholders is slated for December.
0: Still ahead, a living link to Canada's wartime past. Maybe I was lucky.
10: Maybe in some cases I was a bit smart, I don't know.
0: What this 100-year-old veteran remembers most about his part in history and what he thinks about COVID later.
1: And how pandemic protocols are going to play out on the ski hills this winter. What you should know before you go.
12: traffic is steady both ways over at the Lionsgate bridge with just some minor delays as the counterflow lane changes directions it's a little congested both ways near lost lagoon need to renew your car insurance call bcaa to save get better coverage or both visit bcaa.com icbc i'm trish jewison in the global traffic center
1: Canadian war veterans we're paying tribute to today is 100-year-old Bud Freeston of Langley. He fought in some of the key battles of World War
0: II. Aaron MacArthur has the soldiers' remarkable story and Freeston's unique perspective on what we're all going through right now.
7: So many memories seemingly a lifetime ago. Still fresh in Harold Bud Freeston's mind. A man who volunteered for the army because his family needed a steady paycheck. He went to war to protect freedom an ocean away.
10: That was after we had liberated the
7: west coast of the Rhine. Freeston recently celebrated his 100th birthday. One of too few World War II veterans left to tell their stories in their own voice. His service saw him on both sides of the Atlantic, including North Africa where he was wounded.
10: And one day firing into the Mediterranean, a bomb exploded in the barrel of the gun I was next to and wounded me in my left leg and up my back.
7: After he recovered, his regiment, the Black Watch, the Royal Highland Regiment of Canada, was sent to France. A month and a half after D-Day, he lived through some of the most vicious fighting of the war.
10: Maybe I was lucky... Maybe in some cases I was a bit smart, I don't know.
7: From Normandy, Freeston and his comrades fought their way through northern France, Belgium, helping with the liberation of the Netherlands, where the Black Watch paid a heavy price. Oh, I
10: left lots of friends behind. We ripped, uh, we had 2,000 casualties in the Black Watch, and we had uh, 556 that we left overseas.
7: Freeston ended his World War II service in Germany. Four months after the Nazis surrendered, he went home. The war has never left him.
10: After a few years, it sort of, you hope it fades a little, but the thing is, it doesn't fade that much for me.
7: Retired in 1985, Freeston has spent much of the last three decades teaching high school students about sacrifice and remembrance. There were trips to Europe to visit fallen comrades. And now, in the next century of his life, he faces a new challenge. COVID-19 has restricted his movement, and there aren't many visitors these days. But few can match his attitude
10: towards the pandemic. I think it's something you accept. This doesn't bother me at all.
7: Freeston, a rare living link to a terrible past most of us will only read about in history books. But considering the sacrifice of so many, one we must strive never to forget. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
0: A Remembrance Day tradition took to the sky this morning.
1: The Lockheed CP-140 Aurora aircraft conducting a flyby from its base in Comox to fly over St. Vincent's Brock Farney, a long-term care home for veterans in Vancouver, many of whom served in the Air Force. The veterans were able to take part in the ceremony from the safety of their suites, but without their family members due to pandemic restrictions on care homes. Still ahead, Donald Trump refuses to leave without a fight. How election officials are reacting to his baseless claims of widespread voting fraud.
0: And only in New York City, how a swan ended up on the subway.
12: Steady traffic in both directions tonight on Highway 99 and the Massey Tunnel. Usually you'll see some lane closures during the overnight hours for some ongoing maintenance. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside Walmarts and the Real Canadian Superstores throughout B.C. For hours and locations, visit sussexinsurance.com, open every day. I'm Tricia Wilson in the Global Traffic Centre.
0: Well, more than a week after the U.S. election, President Trump refuses to concede, and his attempts to overturn the results so far are failing.
1: But his base is embracing the false claims that are being made, and as Global's Reggie Cicchini explains, that could be putting the country's national
6: security at risk. Refusing to accept defeat, President Trump has instead created a concession crisis. The fake
10: ballots, right? The phony
6: ballots. Peddling conspiracies that a rigged election cost him the race. That creates
3: a tremendous
6: destabilizing uh, effect on the democracy. In Georgia, where Joe Biden leads by more than 14,000 votes, officials say they will pore over the results to satisfy all parties.
5: This will help build confidence. It will be an audit. A recount and a recanvass all at once. State after
6: state, no evidence of widespread fraud has been uncovered. Yet the Trump campaign is full steam ahead with efforts to overturn the results.
11: There are not specific allegations that go anywhere beyond the type of thing one would expect in an ordinary election.
6: As the president laid a wreath to observe Veterans Day, out of state voters in Nevada were targeted by the Trump campaign. Many were actually military members. In Michigan, hundreds of affidavits claim barriers and irregularities similar to recently dismissed cases. And there are claims that dead people voted en masse. But the Department of Homeland Security says measures are in place to protect against voting illegally on behalf of deceased individuals.
11: There is nothing in those states that indicates anything close to the possibility of changing the outcome in the presidential race.
6: Delaying a transfer of power between presidents also puts national security at risk. 16 years ago, the 9-11 Commission urged transitions be expedited, citing a delay in 2000 may have prevented vital information about the terrorist attack From being passed along, President Trump retains a stronghold on his base, and his claims of fraud have resonated with a new poll showing eight in ten supporters believe Joe Biden's win to be illegitimate. And even as legal challenges struggle, that same group believes the courts will overturn the results. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington.
1: In health matters tonight, more Canadian cities are putting in new COVID restrictions, with cases climbing across the country. Toronto is shutting down indoor dining, fitness classes, theaters and other businesses until at least December 12th. Manitoba is shutting down all non-essential businesses tomorrow, including restaurants and personal services. And experts are warning that Alberta's hospitals could be overrun, prompting calls for a lockdown there. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is calling on more provinces to implement further restrictions.
0: Well, like everything else in our lives, going to a live performance will be a lot different when they're finally allowed, even if there is a COVID-19 vaccine. Billboard is reporting that Ticketmaster is going to make having a COVID vaccine or proving a negative test result within a certain The process will apparently involve smartphones and third-party health information companies. Needless to say, a lot of details are still being worked out, not the least of which is privacy concerns over what those companies or Ticketmaster would do with customers' medical information.
1: Still strange to see crowds like that when you see them (laughs) on video. It's going to be a while, I'm sure. Still to come, a pilot's personal tribute to a fallen hero. I think of Ray Rolston every time that I do remember Steve. The mission to help us all remember by this team of flying aces.
0: But first, how a day at the ski hill could go downhill if you don't know the pandemic protocol.
6: You're watching
1: Global News Hour at 6.
0: A swan on a subway. Yes, you heard that right. We'll tell you where it was going right after Christie's forecast, because even swans got to get places. Someplace. That's right.
1: New York City, that's not the strangest thing you'll see on <laughs> no, a subway in New York City either. All right, first, uh, right before we get to Christie, fresh snow has uh, outdoor enthusiasts eager to hit the slopes, uh, but this season is going to be different.
0: There is a lot of pent-up demand in the pandemic, and Jordan Armstrong shows us how BC's mountain resorts plan to safely manage the crowds.
11: Just how strong is the urge to go skiing this year? so strong that on a day the mountains weren't even open for the season, the Cypress parking lot was still jammed with vehicles and people sampling the snow, hoping they'll be allowed to ski on it soon.
12: The kids are really excited about that. They were asking if we were going to be coming out to ski today. So, And I told them, not today. Today we're just going to go play in the snow.
11: (laughs) If we could just hit the slopes a few times. That'd be good.
7: Like nice and stealthy with the black
11: ones. The gear rush at North Shore Ski and Board started around Labor Day.
7: How's that? Normally we're
6: getting all sort of ramped up for November 1st, and this year, dating back to September 1st, people were pounding our door down to get in and get their ski gear organized.
11: Check out the BC Parks website at some point. That'll let you
6: know where you're supposed to go and where you're not supposed to go.
11: Organization and planning will be key. The ticket windows at many mountains, including Whistler and Cyprus, will be closed. Tickets will have to be bought and booked
3: Online, We're planning on monitoring capacity. We're not trying to do any um, reservations for, for pass holders and stuff, but we will um, you know, manage how many lift tickets we sell per day.
11: The lifts could see longer waits, with physical distancing limiting the number of people per chair who aren't in the same bubble. The lodge will be open, but be prepared to use your vehicle as an alternate dining, warming, and storage area.
3: But the ski product should be the same. You, know, you don't want to be within two metres of someone when you're skiing. You definitely want to be spread out.
9: You're going really fast as a ski. Gear, you're not going to get COVID.
11: Yeah, I'm keen to get back out there. Good thing he's getting ready now. There's a chance opening day could arrive
3: by the weekend. It depends a lot on snowmaking. It depends a lot on how cold it's going to be and what the humidity is going to be. But there is some potential there for sure.
1: Jordan Armstrong, Global News. It's a whole different world up there, isn't it?
0: It is right now. Still
1: green in my neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's find out uh, from Christy Gordon. You know, fingers crossed, all those skiers and boarders, hoping those mountains can open up soon, Christy.
12: Well, we're still having a La Nina year. That's what it looks like for the winter, which is always good news for skiers and snowboarders. But it's also pretty white lower down in the interior, guys. Here's a look at what some people were doing in the interior after all the snowfall yesterday. This is a shot from Vernon. This is Sophia, and she made a snow farmer and chicken of course as you do with snow Sophia, great job she's 11 years old but that beautiful scenery with the snow all around the region you can see him on the mountains here in the background and of course in someone's patio which is too bad or maybe pretty nice depending on how you look at it. Now tomorrow morning we are going to see a change from the dry weather today. We're in for wet weather so pull out the rain jackets. It's going to be breezy by the water as well. Now that moisture is going to shift into the interior. We're expecting snow up towards Whistler definitely north of uh, Brandywine, potentially even north of Squamish east of Hope and that is going to be the case right through the latter part of the day for the interior regions. Not a ton of snow. Whistler and Hope will likely get hit hardest. Hope over higher elevations but two to five centimeters certainly is possible as that wave pushes further inland so there's your thursday everyone far north sunshine but from the north coast you'll see periods of rain through the south shifting into these areas later in the day south coast we will see the rain develop tomorrow morning if you're up really early you may not see it but it will push in through the morning hours gusty conditions by the water but i really want to point out friday for you friday's the day that you want to tune in actually tomorrow's the day you want to tune in about your Friday forecast because i am expecting wind warnings on friday as this next system pushes in but the good news is it looks like it pushes out in time for the weekend so far we've got a fair amount of sunshine in store for us both saturday and sunday as temperatures warm up also and i'll leave you with this stunning shot of some beautiful poppies thank you to nancy fair for sharing that with us for today perfect picture for today
1: for sure thanks nancy and thanks christy too all right, back to those New Yorkers. They are used to some strange sights on the subways, so no one really batted an eye at this passenger.
0: Even if Bay the Swan did take up more than one seat, the woman who found the Swan is familiar with birds and knew Bay was sick. After hitching a ride with some good Samaritans, she then got on the subway with her 17-pound passenger, eventually making it to a clinic where Bay is now being treated for lead poisoning and an infection, but is otherwise doing well.
1: Very cool. Very cool. See? That's a caring New Yorker. Did she
0: pay her fare, though?
1: Oh, good question. What is the fare? (laughs) Uh, All right. Who will be uh, the master at the Masters? And will the Masters be played? I heard they had some weather issues today.
2: They did have some weather issues. Um, Actually, uh, Jay Janauer was talking to Adam Hadwin today, and Adam said it's playing long because it's wet. Anyway, the Masters will start tomorrow with its usual big TV audience, but no audience at the course itself. We all miss
11: the the energy of the crowds. And, yes, this year is going to be very different.
2: So the Tiger Roars will only be in people's living rooms, as Augusta National is for players only this year.
1: Also tonight, the Fraser Blues fly over and a very special Remembrance Day mission.
4: Do you want my mic?
8: I'd like
4: to.
2: I'm
0: ready to run over there.
2: What, is, what are we gonna do here? Well, I got
0: to do you want me to give it to him? Okay. We'll see. See if
16: my works.
10: Let's
1: hope it works. You throw?
0: Sure. Okay, I'm on standby to run over there and give you my mic if yours doesn't work, Spire, So <laughs> talk. Why can't I always get the cheap oh, mic? Mine's not working either. Okay.
4: Let me
2: just do this with
0: hand Okay, Chris.
1: Oh man, here we go mic? again.
0: This is a it's musical, mics. It's musical
2: mics. It's musical mic. There you go, buddy. Thanks, pal. Did you Did, you, uh, did, you, did you, uh, sanitize this? Thanks, man. I, I trust you. All right. Okay. We're down to one microphone, but we can do it. Uh, people are wondering when the NHL will start up a game. Tomorrow, the NHL and its owners will have a conference call. And even though nothing is settled, the league says it's still aiming for January 1st. But. For that to happen, things need to be uh, put together rather quickly so there can be proper training camps in December. They will have to cut down the length of the season, perhaps to 48 games like they have done in lockout years, and keep all the Canadian teams north of the border for the regular season so they can travel freely. I'm guessing the playoffs would likely be in a bubble format again unless the pandemic miraculously comes to an end. Well, the Masters will start tomorrow morning. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin will tee off at 4.20 in the morning, hour time. And his old pal, also from Abbotsford, Nick Taylor, will start at 8.05 hour time. Probably the most interesting threesome will be the one with John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau in it, along with Louis Oosthuizen, who uh, finished second at the Masters in 2012. They'll start 4.30 in the morning, hour time, 4.33 to be precise. Tiger Woods tees off at 4.55. Uh, the fact it's in November and not April is strange for the Masters and it'll be wet because it's been raining there this week but for the players the bigger change rather than just time of the year is playing in front of no fans or as I like to say at the Masters no patrons
14: the Lob Pines ever whisper any of their secrets this is the year golfers will be able to hear them for the first time They'll echo through each narrow corridor, usually reserved for patrons sounding an alarm.
11: It's electric and, and you can feel the difference in each roar. You know if it's a tiger roar or if it's a somebody else roar, you know what's going on, so.
14: Without an electronic leaderboard or even cell phones, it's the ultimate word of mouth. In 2019, it became the soundtrack to perhaps the greatest comeback in sports history. Oh,
11: yeah. yeah. Absolutely. They, 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 um, they helped me win, they helped the support that I had, um, the, the energy that, that was you know, around the property. It was, it was electric that day. And we, we, we all miss the, the, the energy of other crowds. And yes, this year is going to be you know, very different.
14: When not fueling fires, the roars can add flavor and even some master's magic.
6: Yes. Just more kind of the ambiance and what really makes the Masters that next level special a lot of times is the patrons. But as a as a competitor, um, it is really no change.
14: Still, no one knows for sure what a quiet Masters will bring because there's never been a Masters like this before. Here's hoping it's the last.
11: Hopefully uh, it doesn't affect anybody's performance. We all do our best here and. But still, you know, we'll, we'll miss them.
3: It's probably yeah, I, still on his six But right?
14: not having patrons offers unique opportunities, of specifically for power hitters like Bryson DeChambeau. Today, he specifically mentioned how he's going to play 18. He said he wants to try to hit it over those bunkers there to a place where patrons are normally standing. So the impact remains to be seen, now only via a TV screen or computer screen. You can't see it from there. Okay, so as you heard at
2: the end of that report, the talk of this tournament so far is not Tiger Woods. It's Bryson DeChambeau and his incredibly long tee shots that look like something that should be launched at Cape Canaveral. Uh, DeChambeau is ranked sixth in the world coming into this week. Justin Thomas is ranked third in the world, and that's despite Thomas hitting it about 40 yards shorter off the tee than Bryson.
6: I don't need to hit it 370 yards or 340 yards in the air to, to win every tournament. I feel like I hit it plenty far enough that I get a, if I get a little bit better in other aspects, I can contend and win every single tournament I play, but now that being said, would I like to hit it that far? Yes, but he's obviously still has to execute, hit the shots, and make the putts, but um, but I sure would like to be hitting from his tee shots uh, as opposed to, to mine, distance-wise, but that's uh, just not realistic for me.
7: Trying to overpower the golf course here.
2: That's his opening tee shot today. Well, it's no secret the Seattle Seahawks defense needs improvement. We saw that last Sunday against Buffalo. It still allows, on average, the most yards per game in the NFL this year. Uh, This week they'll face a defense they'd love to be more like, the L.A. Rams, who are the second best defense in the NFL. And one of the big reasons is defensive lineman Aaron Donald, who leads the NFL in sacks right now and will try to terrorize Russell Wilson this Sunday.
11: I think he's got some like 40 times he's affected the quarterback, you know, by himself. Uh, nine sacks, uh, and there's there's a lot of times when he's close as well, you know. So um, he's just a dominant football player. He's as good as you can get. He's as good at his position as anybody has ever been, and uh, you know, so it's a it's a real challenge to go against him, and it's it's good for us. We need the work. We need the we need the challenge. It's it's it's, it's hugely important for us uh, to be able to handle him and not let him be a factor, and that's that's what we're gonna try to get done. Shane Bieber
2: and Trevor Bauer are this year's Cy Young Award winners as the best pitchers in baseball. Bieber was 8-1 for Cleveland in a very impressive shortened season and consequently was a unanimous winner in the American League. Bauer became the Cincinnati Reds' first-ever Cy Young Award winner in the National League. And to think the Reds have had so many great teams and players over the years, but not until now did one of their pitchers win this award. And because Jay Durant and I have the only microphones that are working... (laughs) I will now throw to my old pal, Jay. Jay? Are we sure about that? Am I good? I think okay, you're good. good. All right. We'll dig uh, deeper into how the coronavirus can quickly spread in certain settings, such as weddings and workplaces, and a pedestrian has suffered life-threatening injuries in an accident in Suri late this afternoon. New traffic is being detoured around the intersection of 192 Street and 68th Avenue. And Kelowna City Hall has been targeted by an anti-lockdown vandal for the second time in three weeks. Today's message is connected to Remembrance Day. we we'll have those stories and more tonight at 11. Squire, take it away. Thanks very much, Jay. Apparently, we've cut Sophie and Chris out of this <laughs> show. Up next, uh, taking flight in tribute to our veterans.
6: Watch the global news in 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis, BC. Energy at work.
1: It's pretty obvious this Remembrance Day has been unlike any other, but one tradition did proceed as planned.
0: For decades now, the Fraser Blues air team has been performing flyovers of local cenotaphs honoring the sacrifices of Canadians. Cameraman Al Cohen recently rode along on a practice
3: run. Fraser Blues have been around for 21 years. We do air shows and at cenotaphs for Remembrance Day. Well, we have four aircraft. We have smoke, so that adds a special look to the team. It's a military aircraft, so it has uh, that special aura about it sound. We fly very close formation, and we do what we call a split 360 over each centre-half. With smoke, come around and do it again. This year we're doing five. Unfortunately, uh, COVID has restricted us a little bit because a lot of the legions are closed. And uh, we do this uh, to acknowledge the sacrifice that they've made and the, and the number of people that have served in the, in the service. It's a very special day, a special moment. When I fly at Remembrance Day, I'm thinking of a friend of mine who flew and was killed with me. I think of Ray Ralston every time that I do Remembrance Day. That's the sacrifice that means most to me. I think we realize as Canadians the great debt that we owe to those who have sacrificed, in fact given their lives during conflicts in which uh, have given us the liberty and the freedoms that we have in this country. It's a wonderful thing to, for us to do. We really feel that we are a part of it when we fly like this and, and uh, make this, this event more significant for those that have sacrificed.
1: Great uh, great flying by those guys great shooting by Al Cohen too and uh, thank you for joining us on Remembrance Day
0: And as we say good night we leave you with more sights and sounds